Hey, good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. So what I figured I'd do to start the show tonight is uh, give you some recommendations on how you can entertain yourself. I, For me, when it gets hot, particularly on the weekends, I, uh, I don't like to go outside. It, like this last weekend, it was pushing 90, and it's gross, and I don't like it. I don't like to go out. So I just turn on the air conditioner, and I watch movies. Now, I've been watching a bunch of old movies. Now, maybe, you know, some of these I seen for the first time, some of them I seen a while ago, and I went back and revisited and found out a whole lot of stuff I liked about them that I forgot all about. So here's my list for you for... Uh, and then I got a couple of TV shows, too, and then I'm going to talk about seafood just for a little bit. So here, here's what's... Uh, oh, and for the with, with regard to the rest of the show, we're going to talk about my predictions for the upcoming deeming FDA regulations, which really should be coming any week now. I expect them to probably come out in June. If not that, then almost definitely July. August is a long shot. It's going to be this summer or even late spring. So I'm going to make some predictions, go on the record. I think I'm going to say some things that nobody's thought of before, which uh, for whatever that's worth. And then I'm going to have Kevin on to talk about, he did the show on Sunday, which I thought was a real good idea that he did about brick and mortars mixing in the store and why it needs to stop. I want to talk to him about why he thinks that, why I might agree with him. And then uh, I'm going to have Father Jack on. He's started teaching people, literally teaching work workshops on how to film the police. He said he got the inspiration from my show. If someone would have told me when I started the show that a Catholic priest was going to start cop watching because of me, <laughs> you can't make this stuff up, but it's true. So we'll have Father Jack on to find out why. And also he's going to talk about some of the advocacy stuff he's been doing. So anyway, here's my recommendations for some entertainment. So these are mostly old movies. You should be able to find them on Netflix or they should be easy to get. Top of the list for me. I have not seen I had not seen Bad Lieutenant in quite a while, and um, if possible, it's even more disturbing than when I originally saw it. Probably, I don't know. It's not one of the best movies I've seen, but it's certainly one of the most fucked up movies. It's literally about a lieutenant who's out of fucking control, uh, drug addict, crackhead, but he kind of keeps it together most of the way, except for sports betting. The, the drugs, he doesn't have a problem controlling. Betting on the Mets, he, he has a problem. Or actually, betting, uh, betting betting against the Mets has caused him a problem. Usually that uh, will not be a problem. But for um, for him in this uh, fictional National League uh, Championship Series was a, was a big problem. Anyway, Bad Lieutenant's awesome. Has probably the single... There, there are so many fucked up scenes in this movie. There's, there's you know, murder, rape, assault... <laughs> The one scene with the two girls from Jersey in their car, there's actually none of those things happening, but it's probably the single most fucked up scene in the entire movie. Um, I don't know that it's, a, I don't even know if there's a point to the story at all. It's just, I guess, I don't know what the, the director just tried to jam pack as much fucked up into one movie as possible and loosely tie it around uh, a derelict trying to make things right <laughs> and um it's a crazy movie be sure you get the nc-17 version and by the way whatever happened to that rating right what a stupid thing they got this rating it's it's more extreme than r but less extreme than x 
So that, that's why nobody makes NC-17 movies anymore, because no theater is going to carry it. They, they don't even like carrying the R-rated movies. That's why everything's PG-13 these days, because they got to get the kids in, you know, without the parents. So, um, and you would think, you would think after the internet, you know, where the most graphic pornography is literally a click away with next to no precautions or, or, or restrictions whatsoever, that not just the MPAA for, for movies, you would think that, well, cable has adapted actually quite well, but you would think that the broadcast TV, th these things, they can't adapt. And the reason why is because they're, they're government regulated. So that's why they're getting killed. That's why, that's why you can't, that, that's why new movies that come out are so fucking, that, that they're so pussy because, because you can't, they don't even want to make an R rated movie. Forget about it. Nobody's made an NC-17 movie in probably 10 years, I would guess, because there's no, there's no reason. There's no reason to do it. If you're going to make an NC-17 movie, just put, just put it out on the internet. You might as well, you know, because nobody's going to carry it. So you can't get good, like really good hardcore adult content. And it's not even about sex, really. In for example, in Bad Lieutenant, it's just, it's about fucked up shit going on. Um, anyway, Bad Lieutenant, I give it, um, I give it eight and a half stars. Now, here's one I hadn't seen. I can't believe I hadn't seen it because I love Christopher Walken so much. Up until this weekend, I had never seen King of New York. It's like an old school, it's probably, I don't know, I think it's late 80s, maybe early 90s. I don't know. It's an old, and but, but it really depicts New York in the late 80s. And it's a gangster movie. It's a crime movie. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's similar, it, well, no, it's not similar at all to Bad Lieutenant, really. It's a lot more violent, that's for sure. It's an R-rated movie. It's a lot more violent. It's got Wesley Snipes, too, and um, uh, Larry Fishburne, before he became Lawrence Fishburne. A bunch of great actors. Uh, great movie. Yeah, there's some uh, there's some hokey stuff, and there's some stuff where you really got to suspend disbelief, but it's just in terms of an old-school gangster movie, it's fucking fantastic. Um, violent as fuck. And uh, entertaining, very entertaining. Highly recommended. King of New York. I'm a big fan of Hitchcock. So um, I would say my two favorite, well, my three favorite, obviously, but probably everybody's seen Psycho by now. But Psycho's fantastic. I just love how he's able to, um, what Hitchcock was able to do, I think, better than, than most, was to actually put you, the, the audience, put you, really right into the head of the protagonist or antagonist and, and make him feel, make you feel what he's feeling. And I think um, two great examples of him doing that are Psycho and Vertigo. I would also, very different kind of horror movie, if you could even call it a horror movie, would be Rope. Rope is uh, probably my favorite Hitchcock movie. Um, I don't even know that you can call it a horror movie because the only there, there's the only violence in the entire movie is the first 10 seconds and then that's it the rest of the movie is not a violent movie um it's almost like a drama detective kind of movie and uh centers around a philosophical theme and it's really good not your typical stuff but um something different for sure rope rope vertigo and psycho by hitchcock so here's one that I watched a really long time ago, 
and kind of forgot how good it was. I mean, everybody remembers Batman, uh, The Dark Knight Returns. I believe that was the title with uh, with Heath Ledger as Joker. Now, that was great, and it's arguably the, the best acting um, for somebody uh, representing a, a true psychopath, a true nihilistic psychopath. I think Heath Ledger, uh, as the Joker, I don't think you can really find better for, for, for truly believing that this is a psychopath that you're watching and forgetting that it, almost forgetting that it's acting. Um, but that said, what, what gets forgotten a lot, I mean, everybody tries to forget the third one because it kind of sucked with the one with Bane. But I, I think what is forgotten is the bat is uh, the first one of the series, uh, Batman Begins. I think you know after after rewatching it, it might be one of the best um, you know comic book adapt adaptations for a movie that that I can remember. I mean, I love them all. I mean, even even when they're not that good, you know, I I love comic book movies. But this one, um, it's not you know probably the best. It, it's not like making a comic book into a movie as like you're reading a comic book. Like probably the best examples of that would be Sin City or 300. I mean, 300, I mean, I, I, I own the book. I fucking own it in hardcover. That movie is literally, you know, scene for scene in the movie is, is uh page for page in the, in the, in the, gra in the, uh, in the, what do they call those? They don't call them comic books when they're expensive. They call them uh, gra graphic novels. I don't know. Whatever, uh, you know, 300, you know, was probably the most faithful and they made it really look like a comic book, even more so Sin City. Watching Sin City is really like leaping through a comic book. Um, the first Batman is not like that at all. It is certainly an adaptation of a, of a story that appeared in a comic book, but it, it, just in terms of, of um, just a great film that is an adaptation of a comic book, it is a fantastic film. Um, beautifully shot, beautifully directed, beautiful, beautiful acting. I mean, I, I can find very, very few faults with it. Um, the ending is perhaps its weakest part, but it's still quite good. Highly recommended. So what do I give? Uh, well, what do I give for the other one? Psycho, I give nine. Uh, Vertigo, I give an eight and a half. Rope, I give, Rope, I give a nine and a half. Batman, Batman Begins, I probably give that I might give that a 10, really. If not a 10, just under. Okay, so let's finish it with, um, you know, completely just some fun stuff. Half-hour TV stuff, you know. Um, I really like, uh, I believe it's, yeah, HBO. They got a show with uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. The uh, You know, she was Elaine on Seinfeld. I love her. She's a great actress. She's fucking hot as hell, too. She's in uh, the show called Veep, V-E-E-P, short for vice president, where uh, when the show starts, she's the vice president of the United States. And basically, it's, it's, it's fucking hilarious. It's so well written. Just just absolutely filthy, filthy language. And it, it kind of, um, it's not as, uh, you know, uh, what's the other show with the uh, with fucking uh, Kevin Spacey, that's uh, the House of Cards. House of Cards is like a fantastic, like really true and dramatic, and not very. It's not meant to be funny. Uh, depiction of what's going on in in the world of politics. Veep does it too, but they do it as a comedy. It's just as realistic in terms of what really goes on 
and that these people d don't fucking care about us at all. It gets that message across just as good as hard House of Cards, but they do it with comedy instead of drama. And, uh, you know, each episode's a half hour to pop, and it's fucking hilarious. Uh, good shit. Highly recommended. And then um, as a comedy, for, for a, a cartoon comedy, uh, I really like Rick and Morty. I think that's cart. Uh, no, I think that's Adult Swim. Pretty sure that's on Adult Swim. Uh, so yeah, Rick and Morty is great. It's kind of like if you ever watched uh, Robot Chicken was okay, but it was just like too much. You know, it was kind of a good thing that there were only 15 minutes per episode. Um, Rick and Morty is like not as like out there. Like you know, obviously the guys fucking making this are on acid 24 seven. Uh, there's some of that in Rick and Morty. It's just a little bit more refined and frankly, a lot funnier. Uh, so th those are my, uh, those are my suggestions for your, uh, your dog day, summer, Sunday afternoons or whenever it is you have downtime. I think you would be entertained by any of those. Uh, they'll go with the movies first. So I talked all about crawfish last week. Got a friend, she uh, manages a restaurant in Queens. She invited us out. And uh, the, so I ordered, um, it's kind of like a fancy place. It's called the Crescent, it's called the uh, Crescent Grill. It's in Long Island City. And believe me, I'm not going to Long I am not going to Long Island City for any reason, unless it's at a request of a friend, because it's the fucking armpit of New York City. It's really fucking disgusting. They say it's up and coming, but it's, uh, it, it ain't there yet. Anyway, so... I go to Long Island City, Crescent Grill, bad name, because it kind of sounds like somewhere you're going to get like, you know, like a hamburger and a shake or something. It's not. It's fancy joint, you know, not cheap. You know, entrees are between, uh, you know, 22 and $32. So, so I went there and, you know, she's, uh, she works there. So me and, and uh, three other friends, we went there and it was nice because she, you know, kind of took care of us. Like I ordered, a, I ordered a salad. And an entree. I got the, the salad kind of sucked, honestly. I, I got a Caesar salad, and it was like one of those frou-frou, you know, like small plate. That, I, when I get a Caesar salad, I want a fucking Caesar salad, all right? I want, I want a lot of lettuce. I want a lot of dressing. I want a fucking raw egg, and I want anchovies. I want it to be fucking tossed in front of me. If I'm, I mean, if I'm paying fucking $13 for it, you better fucking, you know. But it comes, it come, whatever. Stay away from the soups and salad at this place, because they give you fucking arty bullshit. But. The fucking, the regular appetizers and the entrees are fucking amazing. I got, um, I didn't order any appetizers, but the, you know, she hooked us up. She brought us some. So like the other two guys I was with, one of the guys, just to, you know, you stay away from this fucking arty food, you know. One of the guys, he got an asparagus salad. It comes on a plate. It was literally over a yard long with like a couple of things here and then a couple of things there. And it just, it didn't look, he didn't like it. Then uh, another one of my friends got the, uh, he got a soup. So he gets the soup, right? It comes. So they put a, he's got a bowl in front of him. It's just got a bunch of like, it looks like a salad. It looks exactly like a salad. And then there's a teapot. And then the waiter pours the soup from the teapot onto the vegetables. And it didn't come with a, a fork. I, I'm sorry. It didn't come with a spoon. Most of the time, well, yeah, most of the time, I guess this would be the first time I ever seen somebody get a soup where you didn't need a a, a spoon to to, to to finish it. You ate it with a fork because there was so little soup in it and so many vegetables. It was basically like the soup was basically just like thick salad dressing. And um, 
He's actually a, a chef at a fancy joint in the West Village, and he said it was fucking shit. Anyway, so this place, you stay away from the soups. You stay away from the salads. But they brought us some appetizers just, uh, you know, because they were treated as special because we're friends with the uh, with the manager. So I got, I got the, I got such, when, when, when food, sometimes food is so good that it just, I don't know, it does something to me. Like, uh, like I went for this, this, uh, this dinner with, uh, with Kevin and Cisco and Dino. And it was like, it was like this Italian joint and like everything was so good. It just like, it puts me really into a different place. It's, it's, it's really like, it's, it's like you're, you're on a substance almost, you know, and I guess you are because when your brain gets that happy, it, you know, it gushes chemicals out. And when food is that good, that happens. And one, and they, they had, they had the soft shell crab there. And I have not had, I, I don't, I don't get soft shell crab very much. I don't know why. Um, I guess number one, the season is very short. It's rather expensive. And honestly, I'm a fan of, as you know, from last week, I'm a fan of, you know, at least for, for crawfish, for, for, um, not for shrimp, shrimp, shrimp. I want, I want a chilled shrimp cocktail with, with cocktail sauce. That's it. I'm not willing to do anything with the shrimp. I don't want to pull them apart and I don't want them to be hot unless they're in like a pasta dish or something like that. But I'm just getting, I want shrimp cocktail and that's it. But as far as crawfish, crab and lobster are concerned, I like to dig into it. I like to take the thing apart myself. I like to get in the, I like, I like it to be a, um, I, I like to get in there. I like it to be messy. I enjoy the process. So that's why maybe soft shell crabs didn't really appeal to me because a soft shell crab is basically they, uh, they catch the, the, the crabs right after they shed their, their right after they shed. I, I don't really know what goes on with crab shedding, but it turns out that right after they shed their shells are super, super soft. So what they do is they just take the crabs right after they shed and then they 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 uh they uh they fry them they fry them real quick right and then you just get them and you don't take them apart at all you just eat the fuckers you eat you eat the shell and this soft shell crab i don't know maybe i just like soft shell crab this much and forgot about it but oh my god as soon as i took a bite and believe me after the first course after that caesar salad which 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 just sucked after that I didn't really have high expectations. I'm like, all right, I'm here. Jen, you know, Jen invited us, you know, lead, you know. But after that, so, oh, oh my God. Just like as soon as I bit into it, it was like something shot up my spine. And I was just like, I was just, uh, I, I was just so, so happy. And just like, oh my God. Just, it was that good. Um, and now I got, you know, after that, now I got the fever for the soft shell crabs. I'm on the hunt. Like I spent the, the, when I got home, I spent like an hour and a half researching where to get the best soft shell crabs in New York. Cause I can't, I can't just go somewhere and do something. I have to incessantly internet research, particularly if it's food. And uh, yeah, there were some other appetizers. There was like a shrimp one. There was a lobster one. Those were fucking great. But that soft shell crab, oh my God, Madonna me. It was unbelievable. Uh, so now I got the soft shell crab fever so i found a place actually on the lower east side i didn't even mean to i i'll go i'll travel for good food but it turns out the best rating where you can get crawfish you can get lobster you can get soft shell crab you can get all this shit it's at this place called the boil on the lower east side it's uh, just south of delancey and uh so that's where i'm going next because they got everything i want 
I can get my soft shell crab. I can get my crawfish. I can eat like a fucking barbarian. So I'll be doing that sometime this week. Maybe probably the weekend. And then, oh yeah, finally, the last course I had the duck. And it was the best duck I ever had. So they gotta, I gotta tell her. They gotta get away from this. Uh, they just gotta get rid of or totally redo all the, the, the fucking salads and the soups. Anyway, enough of this. Let's start the show. Hey, Kevin, call in. Oh my God, 943. Yeah, Kevin, call in. Sorry. I gotta look at the clock sometimes. I'm sorry. Okay, so listen. Um, what I want to do, I want to, I want to do two things. Kind of roll two topics into the same thing. Kevin did the show on Sunday, which um, I'll link to in the in the replay notes. He had Dr. Kurt Kistler on. He's a PhD in uh, chemistry, and he was talking about how uh, you know Kevin's like, there's all these brick and mortars there. Uh, they're, they're, they're mixing the, the juices in the back rooms, which are often, you know, completely un, you know, unsanitary, you know, some of them are all right, but some of them are completely unsanitary places where you wouldn't want somebody to make a sandwich much, much less make your uh, e-liquid. So he's going through all the things, why this is dangerous and why the FDA is obviously going to regulate it and all this stuff. So I wanted to roll that into, cause I got, I want to talk about my predictions for, what the FDA deeming regulations are going to are going to be? They're they're coming any week now, so uh, might as well I don't know go on the record what which what, what I think it's going to do. I don't know what good that is, but why not? So hey, Kevin, you there, man? Yes, I am. Hello. Hi, hi. Hold on, let me just tweak your uh, level here. Give us a sound check there, Kev. Uh, check one two. Hello, hello. All right, good enough. All right, thanks for calling in. So listen, give people a little, just a short recap of what you were, because you got real mad because you posted your show on Reddit, which you don't do very often. I don't blame you. So you posted your show on Reddit and you got lots of, you know, from what my opinion, just stupid, uninformed comments. I think you'd agree. But talk about first what, what you talked about on the show and why you think that it's so important that brick and mortar stop doing this mixing in the back room deal. Well, what I did was I uh, had a show. I had a Upstop join us because he makes e-liquid. He mixes e-liquid, so he's experienced in making it. I also had Dr. Kurt Kissler join us, who is a Ph.D. chemist at Penn State University and the chemistry advisor for AMSA because I wanted to get his take on it. And like I was telling you before, Russ, this is a trend. There's a trend going on now of brick and mortars who are selling 120 mil uh, bottles for $20, $25, $30, and they're able to sell it for so cheap because they're simply just mixing it. They're making it in their stores. Right. And what brought this on was actually, I, uh, there's a person that was showing me some pictures of a store that they worked at here in Connecticut. I won't say the store because she doesn't want me to, but 
she was showing me these pictures of where the store she used to work at, where they mixed their e-liquid. And I was horrified. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I mean, there was a, a bathroom right off this room where they were mixing it. The table had fast food wrappers. There was some sort of, I don't know, sticky something on the table. Uh, old soda cans, soda cups. There was trash everywhere. And amongst all this mess was bottles where they were mixing e-liquid. Right. And, you know, that's the only ones doing this. A lot of stores are doing this. And, you know, I understand why they're doing it. They're doing it because there's a huge profit they can make. I mean, listen, uh, Upstop was saying that it cost them in materials about $5 to make a bottle of 120 ml liquid. You know, that's why they do it. But I have a huge problem with that. And Dr. Kistler, if you listen to the show, really explains why this is an issue. I mean, pretty much to summarize and make it as short as possible he was saying anything airborne from bacteria to mold to viruses to allergens to pollen, anything that's in the air is going to stick to PG and VG, uh, PG and VG. Even to the extent like he, we were talking about the room where it had the bathroom door open, he said you could have aerolized fecal uh, material get into your e-liquid right. and it sticks to the PG and VG. And now you and understand if you're mixing this in the e-liquid, you're vaping this stuff, and it's getting into your lungs. You're vaping the poop. It's getting into your lungs. Yes, <laughs> exactly. This is, you know, you're vaping this. It ends up in your lungs and in your mucous membranes. It's, it's just a fact. Um, we need some sort of, uh, if stores are going to do this, they need to invest the money into making clean rooms where it's done properly. If they don't know how to do so, uh, honestly, AMPS is a good start. It explains exactly what your room should be set up as. I know a lot of stores will say, well, I can't afford that. My personal opinion is that you shouldn't be making e-liquid. But if you want to make a start that's not going to cost as much money, the least, the least you can do is at least make a food-grade room, which won't cost nearly as much as a clean room, maybe a few thousand dollars, but at least you have a food-grade clean room where it's you're starting the process of doing it properly. These stores just mixing these e-liquid in back rooms. There's stores I've heard of that mix it right on the front counter, right in front of you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, that's insane. It's got to stop. Well, you know, I don't know. Well, it's not. Here's the reasons why it won't stop without regulation, because the, the most vapors, I mean, listen, they're going to, when they buy a product, right, they're going home. And they take it out of the bottle. It's in the air and they're dripping it. So they see somebody doing, you know, honestly, something similar. They're just dripping a lot of it into one bottle and then put squirting a bunch of it into another bottle and then, you know, mixing it up and selling it. Most vapors don't know that it could be bad. So it's not going to stop because of consumer demand. They just don't know that this is a bad thing to do, first of all. Second of all, um, with and well, it goes along with, with, the, with the first point that the shop's not going to stop doing it because it's too profitable and their customers don't care. So I think it's uh, I think it's the norm. I think most shops do this. Well, I, I I don't know that for a fact, but I know a lot of them do, right? So it's not going to stop, like because like because like you said, the, the the profit motive is too high. A lot of people say, hey, well, it's too expensive for shops to invest in in a clean room or, or ISO certified or any, anything like that. And well, that's not true either. But it will cost money, so why bother doing it? There's nobody telling them that they have to. So it's not going to stop from people talking about it and it's not going to stop from consumer demand because there's no way to reach 
the number of consumers to, to, to tell them about this and let, let alone even convince them if they do know about it. So that's not going to stop it. But you think that FDA regulations or state regulations are going to stop it. How's that going to work? Well, well, before I bring that up, I, I do want to mention, um, I think you're mistaken on, on the consumers don't care. You know, it's interesting because I've ta- I, I work at a vape shop. I'm there every day. And I have many people come in and say, oh, you know, I got this liquid from so-and-so. Is this much money? Um, apparently, they make it in the store. and They ask, is that okay? Is it okay? They're mixing this in their store. Shouldn't this be like made in a lab or somewhere sanitary? They do ask. And so I, I don't think all people care, but I do think there is a large majority of people that just don't know. If they knew how this liquid was being made and what could possibly be getting into this liquid – I don't think they'd be buying it. They'd say, oh, my God, they're just trusting that the store they're buying it from is making it properly and doing the right thing. And they just don't they don't know, which is no, well, yeah, like frightening well, to me. Well, well, that's fine. They care because you told them uh, you're you're basically doing a combination of salesmanship and and, and um, education, which is a good thing. Uh, but there's no way that you can reach enough people to make that big of a difference. Uh, that big of a difference, where the number of stores that are doing this are going are to change their their process. You can't you can't re- reach enough people, and um, there's oh no 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 they're not going to change. They're not going to change until the FDA or the state or somebody comes down. And again, uh, bringing that point up, you know, I do think when it comes to regulation, the FDA is most definitely going to have some sort of standard of how this e-liquid is going to be made. There's no question. So I here's mean, they're, they're, okay, fine. I don't know. I, I, I agree that there'll be a lot of standards coming out from from the FDA, but let's okay. So let's say they do. Let's say they they put together, I don't know, some some standards, some specifications on how you have to do this, right? So the, 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 there's two parts to the law. Uh, there's the standards. Uh, there's whatever's written down on a piece of paper, and then there's enforcement. Um, and this is, you know, I'm not I'm not super up on how the FDA does this just today for everything else they regulate for for drugs for for whatever else but they got um they got to go they got to go and like enforce it like how do they do that now, there's tens of thousands of vape stores most of which are probably doing this how do they actually enforce the fact that what they have in a bottle on a shelf which maybe just mixed like you said 5 minutes before how are they even going to come into a store and there's something that didn't even exist on the shelf really the customer said i want this and they go back and they make it and they hand it to them how does that get enforced i mean how, how do you do that I, I they don't they don't have people to do that to the best of my how do they do it no no the F, they're not going to have to what's going to happen is is this is going to come down in the fda regulations okay it's going to be part of the regulations now we all know that the fda is going to be sued it's going to be years before those regulations take effect what states are going to do is they're going to see this and states are going to act. They're not going to wait. They're not going to wait two or three years for these regulations. They're going to pick apart each of these regulations. For example, if you have a standard of how e-liquid should be made, states are going to take it on, and they're going to say, well, wait a minute. This stuff has to be made a certain way. Well, what's going on? And, and they're, they're going to take the helm. The states are going to start making uh, regulations and laws pertaining to this, and they're somehow going to have to enforce it. I mean, that's just what's going to happen. They're not going to wait. There's no way. So I think the states are going to uh, take over, and, and they're going to come up with their own sort of enforcement. Hopefully, it's something reasonable and not too outrageous, 
Hopefully, they're educated so that they understand the process of making e-liquid and what needs to be done to be able to make sure it's made safe. And I don't think making it in a back room or just because you have a clean counter makes it safe. I do think there needs to be some regulation. But hopefully, they understand what it is and, and they do the right things. Some will, some won't. But yeah, states are taking over. They're not, they're not waiting for the FDA. It's not going to happen. Uh, if you have questions or comments, number is 347-308-8329. We have a call from the 516 area code. Sir, you're on the air. Uh, probably, sir. You're on the air. Yeah, what's up, Russ? Yeah, that's okay. what I thought. Cisco, what's going on, man? What's up? <laughs> yeah, too, it's Cisco. How are you? Yeah, welcome to the show, sir. What, uh, what, what do you think about this? I'm just, I'm just calling in to call out on Kevin's fear-mongering. You sound like the government. You take the worst picture possible of somebody's juice set up and you make it sound like everyone else is making juice like that i mean the I'm first thing that is every, yeah, i'm not saying that, that you did say or you show this it, picture of some messy slop you know slob yeah. ridden place and you make it sound like everybody else i mean i don't really you know have a problem with people making juice you know and a lot of it's out of sight out of mind for most people but the bottom line here is not only the profit it's not illegal I could take a shit on the toilet bowl and mix liquid. It's not illegal. So no, it's not. Illegal, you can't but it make mean anybody right. do it the right way when the wrong way is not illegal. It doesn't make it but right just because it's not illegal. Of course, it doesn't make it right, but you can't stop anyone from doing it. And if making liquid in the back of a shop uh, becomes an issue, they'll just go and make it in their fucking garage. It doesn't matter. You know, they'll just move to a different place. There's no way, even. I mean, the state regulations is the short term that people need to be worried about. The FDA regulations, even if they come out tomorrow, by the time they put them into play, it'll be years. Yeah, but I think... Uh, and even when they do... I'm sorry. Even when they do, ahead, how Cisco. could they possibly enforce anything? Well, yeah, and I think, uh, Cisco, I think one of the points that Kevin's trying to make is that when the FDA does come out with the deeming regulations, which will be very soon, but will not be implemented for at least a couple of years, if not more, with the lawsuits that the states are kind of going to have a template which they can follow, which they, you know, it'll be very easy for them to pass whatever they want when they say, listen, this is what the FDA is deeming. This is what's going to happen. So we're going to adopt these rules and guidelines. They may, in fact, be very restrictive. In fact, if anything's going to be restricted from the FDA regulations, the most likely thing that's going to be restricted is e-liquid and how it can be made and what can be in it and all those kinds and how it can be marketed. Everything about e-liquid because number, you know, that's our number one so thing. It's already happening. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's and, already and, taken, and, taken on board. It's, not just, it's not just seeing a picture of one store. I have people come in all the time that go to various stores across everywhere, northeast, everywhere. And they talk of many instances. There's a store, like I was saying in my show, I don't know if it's in Mass. or There's some store in the upper northeast where you walk in and they make it on the counter right in front of you. I'm sorry. Yeah. There's no way that that in any way, should, whatever, like Dr. Kissel was explaining, whatever's floating around in the air, let's say they're mixing the sea liquid on the front counter where money's handled. God knows what else is handled on this counter and somebody sneezes. Oh, guess what? Now that's in your e-liquid. There's no way in hell that's possibly good for, for someone to vape. It's just not. Of course it is. It's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. Unless you have, you know, a, a class whatever clean room, you know, where people are putting on masks and suits and 
you know, and all that other bullshit, that's going to be in the e-liquid anyway, in less quantities, but it's still going to be in there. Do you go into the kitchen of every restaurant you go to to make sure there's not a bathroom right off the kitchen? The guy flips your steak and then go takes a leak? But somebody somebody does. You know, yeah, you don't. Well, Kevin might. Well, I don't, but the Department of Health, <laughs> the, the, the Department of Health does. Department of Health does. That's right. And again, we're not eating. What, to this make sure that there's not a bathroom directly off a kitchen. I don't know what the rules are, but if the door says employees must wash their hands. Well, really? listen, I don't know what the rules are, but they got some. We got none. You know, uh, and I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. The, I'm not the kind. Of, I'm not for for rules and stuff. But I'm just trying to have a conversation about what and realistically when, is supposed going to happen. Yeah. And even when and we again, have rules, we're, we're they're going to have to put a whole. We're inhaling this into our lungs. Remember that. There's a difference between eating some food and inhaling something into your lungs. Big difference. Yes. Not all the little feces here and there. It's not going to kill you. <laughs> you don't have to worry about bugs because the nicotine in the e-liquid will kill all the bugs. So a couple of spiders floating in your e-liquid ain't that bad, right? You know, actually, Dino asked a, a pretty good question last night. He was talking about how if there's fecal matter in the air, it can end up in the liquid. And Dino said, well, what if you fart? Is it okay if you fart and make e-liquid? <laughs> well, I mean, probably not. I mean, I mean, when you fart, they're, they're, th that's duty. I mean, it's not much. You know, it's mostly it's mostly you know gas and 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 air and stuff. But like, there's duty in farts. You know, it's just a fact. I mean, yeah. the bottom line is people don't really care, but for the most part, and the people that do, they'll buy from someone who you know has a lab. And with all the shit that's gone on the past year about liquid being made here. You know, you'd think that a lot of these manufacturers would paste pictures of their lab all over their site and all over the internet. None of them have. Right. Right. Which means none of them have a lab. Because I tell you what, if you had a, if you had a lab that you spent a lot of money on, you would sure to help put pictures all over the place to make sure I, I people understand where your juice is being made. But nobody, it's rare that you see pictures of someone's e-liquid, you know, sale. I think ones that do Cisco, but you're right. Nobody does put pictures out there. And I do think there are ones that, I, I, I know there are ones that, that do have, uh, invest a lot of money into good clean rooms or labs, but they don't. They don't put up any pictures anywhere. I don't think they understand that, that by doing that, people are comforted by that. I have people that come in all the time and say, you have organic e-liquid, because in their mind, organic means it's good and it's safe. And organic e-liquid is bullshit. Organic. <laughs> Organic is bullshit. But, yeah, but I mean, they sit there and think, well, organic means safe. And, I, and they'll say that right after. They go, well, I just want something that's safe. And, and I'm pretty sure organic liquid is safe. And it's, it's, a, it's a horse shit. Yeah. yeah. It's so, actually, I mean, there are yeah. but, you know, yeah, it's, it's and, and then I, gonna... I don't care. There's, there's people that, you know, you could have motor oil in their liquid. If they can get it for 20 bucks, 120 mils, they're going to buy it. They don't care. Yeah, you know, they they're buying it because they don't know there's motor oil in it. That's yeah. the problem. Is it's like out of sight, out of mind. You know, you don't know what yeah. a, a store's lab or lab, I should say, what their back room looks like, clean or dirty. It doesn't matter because nobody cares. If people, if the consumers started to care, and a large percentage of them ask questions at vape shops, they would stop doing it, or they would make a, a clean room. But nobody cares, and if the customer well, doesn't care, bringing, then why should the vendor care? And hopefully, by bringing light to this. Hopefully, people who now know will care and will ask and will say something. Because I think there are people that do. I, I, I agree. I think there's more people that don't than do. But I do think there's people. I know there's people that do. They just don't know. They're not informed. And they should be informed. 
Yeah, and if you're buying online, you're so disconnected from where your juice came from. You know, you're buying it from some vendor who bought it from some manufacturer who bought it supplies from God knows where. You know, there's no yeah. chain of custody to e-liquid, which is the only way to make it safe. But, you know, people, a lot of people are abiding by, like, food-grade clean room, which is basically right. like a clean kitchen. You know, but that doesn't do anything for what's in the air, unless you're in a lab, a sealed lab that has the proper air, you know, ventilation then it doesn't really matter where it's made. I'd rather not have, you know, empty beer cans and fucking McDonald's wrappers laying around, but, you know, I don't care. I don't buy other people's liquids, so it doesn't matter. Let's get another opinion. Uh, you know. I, I, we got another call. Hey, listen, if you're, uh, if you want to talk, uh, 347-308-8329, I see somebody from the 859 area code, but he didn't push one, so I'll go to this person that did. Uh, caller in the 408 area code, you're on the air. Hey, Russ, uh, this is uh, Mr. E-Wolf. Uh, just real quick, uh, my understanding is that all uh, Mad Vapes mix on location. And I've even, you know, I've been told that. I know that's what the franchise model is supposed to say, and I've got pictures of that. So that was all I had uh, for this segment, at least, is and that's, that uh, and, and all that's, Mad Vapes and, mix. And that's relevant because they're an AMSA member? No, no, that's just, that's just, something that that's going on i mean it's it, it that i'm it, I, I don't know what to think of it i mean i'm just saying that they do i was surprised i've only ordered from them once but they may their 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 stores all mix on location that's just what it is and i have on no location, other do you mean like they do it in front of the customers or they just do it like in the store uh let me see. Uh, I, they, no, they, they, it's in the store. It's actually, from what I can see, it's also in front of the customers. Um, let me see if I can find another picture here. Uh, uh, see, the second one is going to be better. Well, uh, I mean, either way, it's kind of the same it, thing it we're talking about. It is in front of the customers, yeah. 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 So I'm just saying that you know, that's it. Okay. Well, that's interesting because, I don't know, I think it's, like, like Kevin said, there's lots of people doing this, so, you know, maybe they're taking precautions, maybe not, but... Uh, it seems odd the names some members doing it. That's interesting. Anyway, thanks. So they are an amp. I think so. Yeah, I think they're an amp. They are. Then that's interesting because I'm shocked that amps wouldn't be. I don't know. I don't. Want, I don't want to say something that's not true. I'll just go to the website real quick. They got a members button right here. I can click on. No, they're they are a member of AMSA. Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah. They are certified. Oh yeah. They are certified member. Yes, they are. Yeah, certified member. They got the sticker oh, right good. there. So there you have it. Maybe very you interesting. Hmm. You should send an uh, email to Angela and report them. All right. Well, so yeah. I mean, that's you know that's really the only way to resolve it because they shouldn't be doing what they're doing if they're certified by Angela. Okay. Well, inter right. interesting. Right. Uh, interesting point. Thanks for calling in, uh, Ed. Okay. And then. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. We got another call over here. This person's been hanging on a while, but didn't push one before. A caller in the 859 area code. You're on the air. Hey, my name's John from Kentucky. I'm a first-time caller to your program. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for calling in, John. Got an interesting... Yeah, okay. I've got a, a vaping business that um, I run out of a pickup truck. It's more like a market stall type uh, atmosphere, but um, I'm doing quite well. And I used to buy my e-liquid for resale to my customers pre-bottled. But, you know, you have to have good quality e-liquid. And you're talking 
from the vendor I buy from is about five fifty a bottle, and after you add shipping, let's just say six bucks roughly. Well, you've got all the other vaping stores in my town that are selling their own e-liquid that they mix for you know ten dollars a bottle. And that's in their vape shop. And here I am in a parking lot from a pickup truck selling this for 12 That just didn't make sense to people. Uh, so, who, uh, I, I, hate to, I hate to interrupt you. Sorry. Whoever's blowing into their phone, into the microphone, please don't do that. All right. Sorry to interrupt you, sir. <laughs> Somebody's vaping is what it sounds like. <laughs> just do it, away from, uh, do it away from the phone. But anyway, yeah, okay, to get to the point, so I learned from my vendor, hey, just mix it yourself. Well, that's what I do. In my kitchen, I wear... The rubber gloves, latex gloves, excuse me, bleach everything down, and I make my customers perfectly aware that that's what I'm doing. They, they can accept it or they don't have to buy it. I don't know what else to tell them. If they want a cheap price for excellent quality juice, that's all I can do. So, to get on with it, if I could ever buy it pre-bottled from a big vendor for less than, you know, about six bucks a bottle, I would gladly get out of mixing it. And I wish that I could, but... You know, you get a minimum order here, and they want you to buy 100 bottles for crying out loud. And somebody drives up, I want that in 24 milligrams. Uh, well, I've only got it in 8. Well, when can you have the 24? Well, uh, when I, people, and then they go to the vape shop. Oh, we'll mix it for you right here. I mean, this is like, you know, telling, uh, make, uh, what's a good, telling Burger King, hey, you cannot make a Whopper the way people want it. You make it with pickles and tomatoes, that's it. We're the health department, we say that's how you got to do it. I mean, you see my point here. You, you, It's like telling a bar they can't mix drinks. I mean, you know, they, they will go under. But nevertheless, I hear what you're saying exactly. Uh, anybody can mix this any way they want in any environment they want, and so I think we both have a, a, a legitimate point here. I mean, what do you think? What See, you think? I'd, like, I'd like Kevin to respond to that. Here's a guy, he's, he's trying to do the right thing, was doing it the best way he could, but the market, you know, had another, the, the market wanted something else. They, uh, his, his customers were able to go elsewhere to get what they wanted. Now, he's trying to do it the right way. He's bleaching his kitchen and, and making it home and doing it the best he can. So what's wrong with that? Okay, well, I number one, uh, at least you're informing your customers that you're make, making this in your kitchen, which is more than what I think a, a lot of the people are mm-hmm. doing that are doing this. So at least you're informing them. Listen, if you're informing them, I'm making this in my kitchen, okay? I'm going to be honest with you. And they're wanting to buy this e-liquid, then fine, the customer's informed. But, but again, um, it's just tough because I, you know, and I understand what you're saying, that there's a lot of situations where you have vape shops that are not doing this and they're doing the right thing. And, and, and in my opinion, they're doing the right thing. And then they're, and they're selling e-liquids and not mixing in their shop. And then they have competitors who are selling for a fraction of, of you know, what they're mm-hmm. selling it for. Because it's, a, it's a lot cheaper to, to, to mix it. Yes. Um, honestly, I, I think, and I know you don't want to hear this, but I'm going to be honest. I think that if anybody, whether you're a store or, or you're at home or whatever, wants to sell e-liquid, it requires an investment, whether it be even if you just had a food-grade, you know, we were talking about the other night, even if you just had a right. food-grade clean room, which is a couple thousand dollars, it right. requires some sort of investment to be able to make it, to be able to mm-hmm. sell it. And I know a lot of people say, well, I can't afford it, so i got to mix it in my house because I want – well, 
I'm sorry, but then they shouldn't be selling e-liquid. You really need to be in a position where you have the materials and are doing it the right way, and it does. I think too many people think, I'll just go mix some e-liquid in my bedroom, and I'll sell it online and then make a fortune. But right. if you don't have the investment to put into having all the proper things you need to make it, then it really shouldn't be sold. I mean, that's just that's just my opinion. Yeah, you know, I hear you. Believe me. And, uh, you know, I've informed my, my customers of that. And, um, you know, I, 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 I can order things pre-bottled for them, but I've told them, look, you want this for 8 bucks? I'll order it pre-bottled, but you're paying 14 bucks." Right. And they're like, well... You know, my name's John, by the way. John, okay, go ahead and mix it for me. I'll take your word for it. Just don't poison me, please. So I'm like, look, yeah, I'll, you know, so you know how that goes. So I mix right, it right. and sell it to them. I haven't had that problem yet, but I hear what you're saying. Now, this food grade room, can that be built in a person's house, or is that something to be done elsewhere? No, I, it, not only can a food grade room be done at a person's house, I mean, a person could build a clean room in their house if they wanted to. You know, it doesn't have to be in a facility. It could be just, a, you know, you, you take a room, you convert it to a clean room and or food-grade room. Yeah, you could do it in your house. It's not, okay. it's not it's probably making it in your house. It's just having a room in your house that is – and again, you know, some people think the FDA might require just a food-grade clean room. They might require more than that. We really don't know. You know, they right. may come out and just say, you have to have a food-grade clean room. If that's the case, then, hey, wonderful. You know, that's wonderful for everybody. Brick and mortars, people who are selling online, they invest a couple thousand dollars to make a food-grade clean room. It's wonderful. We don't know what they're going to require, but at least that's a start. At least that's something. You know, at least right. that is – it's something it's, – it's better than nothing. But then again, I, I do also want to say at least I, I give you credit for t- – you're telling your customers, I make this in my kitchen. I want to buy it, and if they're buying it and they know that, then hey – they're informed. At least you're informing them. Yeah, at least it, it, it right. sounds like he's going. It just sounds like it's. It sounds like John's going a step above, uh, you know, what his competitors are doing in in the vape shops. And he does want to yeah. do the right thing. He wants to do the right thing. Right. Well, I tell him too. Look, all the chemicals that I'm buying, ingredients—that's a better word—are uh, of course made in a lab, and uh, that lab is in Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, they're. Well, I've seen their facility. They're they're pretty good. Um, but like I said, I more or less, you know, I I, I do mix it. You know, I, I more or less hate to tell people I do that, but that's the truth of it. I get it all together, then I mix it. And what I could start doing for almost the same price is just buying the liquid itself in large volumes and then simply pouring it into a bottle, you know, the 30 mils. I could do that or the 120 mils, whatever. So then I wouldn't have to mix it all. But um let me say this. Here's another point. We had a vape shop open not far from where my business is. And uh, one of my customers went there and bought some e-liquid that evidently is made in the labs, got all the nice labeling and whatnot, big professional company. They vape it, and they get sick on it. I mean, they, they give them a sore throat. I was in England uh, last year, and... I went into a vape shop, and a man gave me the rundown in there about how professional his liquid was and how it was made in a laboratory, and even though it was Chinese, and uh, he showed me a video, and this is why you should buy this. I vaped that stuff, and I about vomited. It tasted like lighter fluid. And I thought to myself, man, you know, I'm making stuff in my kitchen that is smooth, that nobody's gotten sick on that I know of, and yet... 
some of this stuff is being so-called professionally made, and I wouldn't give you a dollar for a 30 mil for it. But just because it's professionally made doesn't mean it ain't going to taste like shit. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, so you just got, you know, whoever that is, that's just shitty juice made in a really nice lab. Mark Dunn. Yep. So, but you could put a clean room in your house. You just got to take a room if you have one available and do some searching on the internet and find out what type of wall, ceiling, and floor surfaces are acceptable and put some air filtration system and that'll create some positive negative airflow and you're good to go. That's a level above yep. food grade. This food I'm going to check food, for that. Like a food I'm grade counter, check. if you look at food grade specs, all you got to do is clean those counters three times in an eight-hour work period. That makes that countertop food grade. That's okay. the cleaning requirement. So food grade is really minimal. It's for food. It's for, you know, uh, for eating food, not inhaling product. So you need a little room above food grade. Okay. I'll check into food grade and, and getting, a, getting a clean room. What? I mean, I don't have, you know, 100 grand to lay into that. But, you know, five grand, something like, yeah, I could do that. So you could if do I it, could do it, you could do it like through that. a small room for a couple thousand dollars. It wouldn't even take that yep. much. Really? Just putting the wow. right surfaces on all the floors, walls, and ceilings, getting some okay. kind of positive airflow in there so you can move the air around and get it out of there quicker and filter, and you're good to go. And that'll yep. be a okay. step above probably 90% of what's happening now in the back of vape shops. That would be yep. good. Okay, I'll check into that. Gentlemen, thanks for taking my call, and I'll try to tune in. When is your – I'm a first-time call. When's your, your program's next week at Tuesday at 9, is that correct? Yeah, it's every week at, at uh, Tuesday at 9, but we got shows Monday. Uh, the, when is Jan's show, uh, Kevin? Can't, Jan's at 6 o'clock, right? Yeah, so we got a, we got a show on okay. Monday at six o'clock. We got this show on Tuesday at nine. We got a Dimitri Smoke Free Radio on a Wednesday at nine. We got Jeannie K uh, Thursday at nine, and then we got Kevin on Sunday at nine. So we got uh, we got shows most days of the week. Okay. All hey, right. hey, listen, Sounds thanks. Like hey, John, thanks, thanks for calling in. And listen, if you if you decide to go down that route, I encourage you to incorporate it into your marketing. I yeah. certainly will do that. I appreciate it. I'm going to check into it. Right thanks on. for taking my call. Thank hey, you for calling in, John. All right. Look at that, one step at a time, right, Kev? Right. So let's. Uh, Absolutely. I, I think we're all in in agreement here that, that you know people aren't going to be doing this unless they're forced into it. They're probably going to be forced into it. So that let, let's. Well, I got the two of you on the line. I don't know what kind of ideas you have on this subject, Cisco. But with with regard to the FDA regulations, they're going to be soon. Uh, the, 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 we're not making it to the fall without them coming out. There's there's so much. The FDA is, listen, I don't care what they say, what their deadline, they say we're going to get them out in June. That doesn't mean much, but I keep seeing all this pressure from uh, politicians, bureaucrats, health uh, association, public health, public health groups. They're really pushing for this hard, and I think they're actually going to right. do it. I, I think it's going to be in June or July. You all agree with that? Yeah, it's definitely going to come yeah, soon. I, I, I think July, yeah, it's going to be very, very soon. Yep. So... You have a lot of pressure because of how long it's taken already. They can't take yeah. much longer. Yeah, they took so yep. long for the for the proposed to come out. I, I, they're under a lot of pressure. It's been over a year now. People want it. And they're well, going uh, to be pretty extreme. Yeah, I think so too. But let's let's talk a little bit about the different areas. So let, let's talk about, first of all, just hardware, I think, would be the area where there's uh, the least regulation. And in fact, I don't think there will be any at all, at least initially. At least when the deeming regulations hit, I don't think that there will be any regulation whatsoever 
on batteries, on rebuildable atomizers, on clearomizers, on anything at all, really, that is hardware that doesn't have nicotine in it, which is really the only things that uh, that are hardware that do have nicotine in it would be um, like one piece disposable batteries. Um, and it won't even be the, you know, it's 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 got hardware in it just, just by the way it's made. Other, other than that, I don't think they're going to do a single thing. Now, that's not to say that they're going to do it later. But on this first round, I don't think the FDA is going to touch that stuff at all. What do you think, Kevin? I absolutely agree. I don't think they're even going to bother with bother with hardware. In fact, when I was going through my list of what I think the regulations are going to include, there is nothing for hardware. I don't believe they're even going to touch hardware. I think it's all going to be about the e-liquid and the other things that I have uh, written down. But yep, I agree. Cis- not going to bother. Cisco, you agree with that? No, not at all. Okay, tell me your opinion. They're not going to. They're not going to. They're not going to specifically get into the restrictions and regulations on the hardware, they'll just pull it into a single comment, you know, when it's, you know, an electric, electronic cigarette or part thereof. You know, if anything is sold to be used as an electronic cigarette, it automatically becomes part of some rule or regulation that's going to be in there. I you know, think that, have, yeah. Their first, their first inclination of the, of the uh, regulations are going to be, in my opinion, really extreme so that, they can back off them a little bit to kind of where they want to be, and everybody says, oh, thank you. Yeah, maybe. You know well, I mean? yeah, they're well. not going to put out you know, the minimum amount of regulations, and personally, I think they're just going to regulate them out of existence. They're going to regulate them right into the hands of big tobacco. Yeah. You see a bottle of liquid a couple of years from now? It'd be like a dinosaur. Well, maybe. You know, I, I did think that, Cisco. I, I thought the same way you did, I'd say, six months ago. But I, you know, just from talking with like uh, um, Cynthia from Safada and uh, talking with Greg and, and, you know, talking with just, just people that have been dealing with, with the FDA, what's going on, and especially the speech that Mitch Zeller gave when he was at the recent uh, AMSA conference, I, I'm starting to think differently. I, I, don't, I don't think they even care about the hardware. I think they're all about the e-liquid. I, I, well, yeah, don't even I, think I agree, but it's easy for them to include the hardware without actually getting into any detail. But they're going to be mostly concerned on the e-liquid. You know, and if e-liquid is not completely, a bottle of e-liquid is not completely made illegal, they'll force that into the hands of a few, which obviously will be big tobacco or big pharma. You know, nobody yeah. would be making juice anymore. It just won't be possible. All right. Well, I I, I, I agree with Cisco, in, uh, but not in terms of the chronology. I, I think that there will be restrictions and things that are going to be done with the hardware, but I don't think it'll be done on the first round. Cisco seems to think it'll be done with the deeming regulations by somehow rolling things together into a, a sentence or paragraph that encapsulates the two. Okay, fine. I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that's more for the future. But um, we, we can we can kind of move on from there to the liquid. Now, here's what I think about the liquid. And I, I haven't heard anyone say this yet. Uh, doesn't mean they haven't, but I'd like to hear what you guys think about this. Now, here's what I think about the liquid. Now, uh, Zeller is... Is made it pretty clear, you know. He's it's all, it's all about the nicotine. Um, that's what they're focusing on. Uh, yeah, they talk about flavors and they certainly talk about marketing. I think those uh, may or may not be in the first part of the deemings, but let's just talk about the nicotine itself. I don't think that people are really thinking about um, the sourcing very much at this point, or at least I, I haven't heard somebody say anything about this. Now, here's what we know: we know that the pharmaceutical companies are buying uh, very specific nicotine. They're all buying the same stuff. 
Um, it, it pretty much, as far as I know, comes from one one company that is supplying. Um, it's not really e-liquid, but I, I guess that's what it is. They're 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 buying nicotine for use in patches, gums, and lozenges. That comes from one source, um, and you know they're all in bed together with it because there's. I mean, how many companies can afford to do it? It's only the hugest pharmaceutical companies that can even get approval for patches, gums, and lozenges. Um, so it, it makes sense that the sources are limited, uh, and to my knowledge, the sources that there is one. I think what the FDA is likely to do is whatever hoops that the pharmaceuticals had to jump through to get that nicotine, those molecules approved for use in their nicotine replacement therapy devices, I think that's going to be the default. I think that's how they get around all this other bullshit. All this other bullshit is that, well, it has to be done this way or it has to be done that way. Um, they already have a template. They already have a process that has been followed for decades with patches, gums, and lozenges. And that involves really getting that nicotine approved under whatever the rules are. And, and there, there's probably 50 pages on the, on the rules for that type of nicotine. But I can get, what I know is there's one, maybe two, but as far as I know, one company that meets those specifications. And uh, nobody from this industry is using that company. They don't sell to us. They sell to, they sell to pharma. Um, so that's my prediction is that they're not going to necessarily name that company, you know, by name, but they're going to name the process by name. And they, they don't even have to write that. It's already been written that the, the, the nicotine used has to conform to these specifications. The, spe the, the specifications are what are being used that this one company is, is, is providing to pharma and they get around so much bullshit. They don't have to talk about so much stuff. It's just that, hey, you got to get this. And then you got all these other nicotine suppliers. And I'm not saying they're any better or worse. I'm probably saying they're about the same as whatever this uh, pharmaceutical grade nicotine or, or the, what the pharmaceuticals are using for, for uh, nicotine for their products. Um, I think it's going to be them. And I think anyone else who gets into it is going to have a hell of a time. I think that is how they're going to do it. Uh, let's start with you, Cisco. What do you think of that? Cisco, you still with us? Uh, looks like he is. All right. Well, wait for Cisco. Kevin, what do you think about yeah, that? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm oh, okay. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Cisco. Yeah, I agree with you completely. It's no different than what they were trying to do, you know, put e-cigs into the category of tobacco and just apply all those existing rules. You know, and that's what they'll do with nicotine because the rules are there already for liquid nicotine. They'll just say, oh, you have to abide by these rules that have been in place for years. So you know what? You can't buy it anymore. And good luck bringing it into the country when, uh, you know, U.S. Border Patrol and Customs start seizing shipments. Well, exactly, again. exactly, and that's actually what I neglected. So they can, like I said, yeah, they, go ahead. They can regulate it out of existence just by pressuring, you know, merchant accounts, U.S. Border and Customs Control banks. They could just, you know, put put pressure, and we're out. I see that 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 it's very easy. It, it, their regulations could be like two paragraphs long. You see, that's that's what I neglected to say, and I'm I'm glad you did. Uh, Right now, you can get nicotine coming into this country from, I don't know, there's, there's a lot of sources out there. You can go to China, you can go to India, you can, you can, it's, and there's 100 brands. You can get all, all kinds, right? But I think once... All the same shit, by the way. Yeah, probably. Um, but China, China and India are from the two countries that manufacture yeah. nicotine extraction. It's sold by hundreds of companies. There's a big company in Sweden. Yeah. the U.S. Right. Huge company. 
And if you look at the details on the spec sheets, which I have seen, it's made in China. So they're just distributing a Chinese manufacturer. Oh, okay, I got you. So when you buy directly from China, you could be buying from the company that's already making it for uh, the other company. So, so, so what? You know, I I, I agree, and you, well, well, I'll go along with that. I I don't I don't think anything's all that different. Uh, it's a pretty simple molecule, pretty simple process, I, I guess. Anyway, that's not the, that's not what's important. What, what I wanted to talk about was you brought up is that once you put it here's what you got to do because if you put in rules on it has to be done this way has to be done that way you know you can still have nicotine coming in from the borders let's not forget the original strategy for the fda was you know they don't have agencies and stuff they use they use customs and that's what was happening five years ago was that when the fda said these are all drug delivery devices period full stop and until a federal judge forced them to stop doing so they were seizing packages at the border which was at the time you know fairly easy for them to do now with this if they do that if they use the same criteria for the nicotine that is allowed to be used by big pharma if they apply those same criteria to us all those different types of nicotine sources all those all those sources they're not going to be able to make it through the border anymore i mean some will but most won't, certainly not the, the the volume that's necessary to supply the industry at the size it is today, much less than two years. I think that's going to be the big challenge because it takes it takes the um, the rule writing part of it and simplifies it greatly. They're looking to make their job as, as, as easy as possible. They're not looking to, to break their back to find rules that accommodate us. No, they've already got rules that allow nicotine to come into the country. They've already got these rules. OK, let's yeah. just use let's use those. Now, who, who meets those rules? One company. Okay, what about everybody else? All right, well, you know, make your claim at, at, at customs, you know, because customs can, I think they're going to seize everything. And that, I, I think that's going to pinch us just as bad as it did five years ago, maybe worse, because it's a whole lot easier to, you know, because you got to seize these things that these are big quantities coming in. You know, these are 55, you I know. Think, you got, I think that the demon regulations, the primary concern is they need to use rules and regulations that are already in place and, um, you know, offices like U.S. Customs and FDA that are in place to manage whatever their regulations are because the government can't afford to put a whole new, you know, company together to manage e-cigarettes. So the regulations are going to be based off existing rules and regulations, existing offices and organizations that are in place already that they'll just throw this on them. Because they're not going to create this whole new organization to, uh, you know, maintain uh, e-liquid stores and vendors like the health department with health inspectors and all that. They, they can't afford that. So they have to use what's already here and kind of divvy out all the regulation efforts across all these different organizations and be done with it. Yeah, and what makes it easier the than that? The way to yeah. handle that yeah. is, to, is to sort of regulate them out of existence and put it in the hand of just a, a few so it's easy for them to manage. They can't manage 10,000 brick and mortars and, you know, 15,000 online suppliers with, you know, another 12,000 guys making liquid in their kitchen. They can't manage that. Right. Or control it. But, so yeah. they'll just eliminate it. Right. And, it's easy. Uh, and, yeah, and then when you, you're, you're literally nipping it at the bud. If you can't get nicotine right. into this country, um, everything else just falls into place the way they want it to. And the beauty of it, yeah. um, from their perspective, it's beautiful. From our perspective, it's it's disastrous. The beauty of it for them is that because 
This is the same thing that they've been doing for decades, regulating this uh, chemical as to be used in things other than tobacco itself. Um, you know, getting it in in a, in a non-tobacco format into this country. Um, the beauty of it for them is that there really isn't much ability for us to challenge that legally. It's got precedent for decades. This is what they've been requiring. Why all of a sudden is an industry who's going to bring up a lawsuit about something that this is the way the business has been done for getting nicotine in this country and using it. And there's all this precedent and there's company, there's a company that complied with it. Okay. There's been no problem for them. Now you got to do the same thing. That's going to be a hard case to win. It's pretty much, if you look at how nicotine is brought into this country and managed in the chain of custody for pharmaceutical to make their gums and patches, whatever rules and regulations were in place from that, you could, be sure that that's where they'll pull the nicotine for for uh, e-cigarettes. Except they're not going to so sell to us. Whatever's in place is going to already be in place, and whatever hoops you have to jump through to do for the pharmaceutical to do it, we'd have to do it. So you can determine right away if it's just going to be illegal or not by whatever process is going to be required to bring nicotine into the country legally. So what what's going to happen? I, I don't. Was believe, a, go, go ahead, Kevin. I don't four years the ago, they, uh, four years I ago, don't PayPal stopped allowing uh, transactions for e-cigs, and at the same time, some of the big banks stopped allowing merchants, merchant accounts with e-cigarettes, and they'll just, they don't have to shut the business down, they'll shut the support to the business, and the business will just fail. You know, if I can't collect money for orders, then how can I operate a business? Go ahead, Gov. It's easy, it's easy for them to just regulate it away. I don't believe Sorry, the Jeff. FDA is foolish enough to believe that they can regulate this away. It's too big. It's too big. You don't think they realize there'd be a humongous black market and they do have to take that into consideration? I well, don't believe they're foolish enough to believe just make things we'll just so become tough. Part of the, we'll just become part of the drug war because they will regulate it out of existence. They'll yeah. just put things into place to make it hard for you to supply your store with stuff to sell, whether it's the banking, merchant accounts, nicotine, supplies from China. You know, if, you're, if, if I'm starting to get... You know, fifty, seventy-five thousand dollars order frozen in customs. I'm not going to continue in this business. So what a lot of people will fold. If you can't get nicotine to make e-liquid legally, and you get a couple of seizures, they're not just going to say you're not allowed to have this nicotine that you brought into the country. They're going to slap somebody in prison and you know make an example of them, which is going to scare the shit out of a lot of people. See, here's the and that's here's the thing, Kevin. Um, the the in. The FDA knows full well what they're doing, just like they knew what they were doing five years ago with seizing everything through customs. And, you know, it was effective. Companies went out of business. So it was too much for them to bear. Now, you know, it's going to be more focused, according to Cisco and I. The, it sounds like we agree 100% on this. It's going to be more focused. It's going to be about the nicotine. Here's what you need to do. Here's the process. We've, it's the same as we've, we've had. So here's what I think. You got two years, right? So the industry has two years to come up with a new source, because you can better believe that the company that's supplying it to, uh, uh, to pharmaceuticals, they're not going to sell to us, and that's, frankly, their right not to. Um, but we got two years. So what I think is going to happen is that there will be companies, maybe a couple, that, have, that, that will recognize the demand in the marketplace, and they will jump through these hoops, and they will be able to be approved to sell this nicotine into the country. Um, that said, uh, I think it's going, you know, the price, you know, the, the nicotine, the, the, the prices you're seeing for bulk nicotine right now, 
forget about that. It's going to double, triple, or quadruple. Uh, I might be being conservative here, but what do you think? I mean, this. I mean, this is an established process. Um, unless you, Kevin, unless you believe that there is some sort of legal thing that prohibits them from doing this, which I, I don't see how that could be true, since they've already been doing it for pharmaceutical nicotine. I mean, how 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 could this not be feasible for them? Well, this is all, I think, based on the fact that I, I think we're all making, well, at least it sounds like to me, you're making an assumption we that are. the FDA wants to get out of, out of existence. We are. Maybe they don't. Surprise. Maybe they're realizing, holy cow, you know what, this, is actually, this actually is getting people off cigarettes. Maybe there actually is a benefit to this. Maybe the lobbyists <laughs> from Big Tobacco... Having and again, you know, the lobbies from Big Tobacco are, are huge. I think they have convinced. This is what I think. I think they have convinced them. Hopefully, I don't know. I'm just guessing, like everybody else is, that maybe there is a market. Well, not a market, but maybe this is a viable solution. it's a healthier alternative to uh, smoking, and maybe they are embracing that because Big Tobacco lobbies have them convinced. But if they do have them convinced. There's going to be no bottled e-liquid, and it's all going to be pre-filled cartomizers. Okay. And that's well, it. Hold and, on. And the market, whatever happens, is going to be let geared me, towards them. Let, or- me, let me stop you right there, Kev, because your your argument uh, rests on, and, and my, my argument and Cisco's argument, it does rest on an assumption. Uh, yours rests on two. Uh, the first one is that um, this would impact the makers, uh, the big tobacco makers of uh, electronic cigarettes, R.J. Reynolds, uh, you know, whatever, those guys, those guys won't have a problem getting that nicotine. Um, oh, of course. Uh, the, so, 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 so there's that. Uh, so they don't really care about this. Uh, the second assumption you're making is that the, the government, and more specifically the FDA, is making decisions uh, based upon your health. Um, and I think if you look at on the one hand, what they have done in the past, what there's no disputing that they were using this method of seizing things at the, at the border uh, without regard for what may or may not be good for the, for the public and public health. So we know they've done that before. Now you're making the assumption that they've done a 180 and now they really do care about us. Um, I, I would argue that there is very little evidence at all, not forget about vaping, forget about everything that the Food and Drug Administration has, has oversight of. I see very little evidence that their decisions are based on our health at all. If you have, if you have examples to the contrary, please tell them to me. I find none. So your assumptions are um, actually a lot more, they, they should be the ones that are true, uh, but I find it unlikely that they are just based on, their history. Well, wait a minute. They were they were seizing shipments years ago because, in all fairness, they had no idea what the hell this was. They had no oh, clue. Oh, they do they, now. They have they a lot better idea. Yeah, they, they have you know, a better idea, but for the most part, they still have no idea. But look at I'm, I'm saying the long-term effects of this are. But guys, what I'm saying is, look past vaping for a second. Put that to the side. And look at everything else that the FDA does. I see no evidence of them making dis- their decisions based on public health. I see it based on on lobbying and money. Um, I see that as the way that they make their decisions. Um, and there's a, you know, if you put it on a scale, money on people who are against us and for us. I mean, we 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 lose ten to one. If again, I'm probably being conservative. So I I just don't see a track record of the FDA doing things in the interest of public health. In fact, I I see many times even 
if you do want to look at this topic of stopping smoking, letting drugs like Chantix on the market. This is a this is an extremely dangerous drug that has led to deaths, nonviolent people becoming violent, suicide, uh, all kinds of stuff. They know this is a dangerous drug that is used that that you know is somewhat successful at getting people to stop smoking, also very successful at getting people to kill themselves. They know it's a dangerous drug. They keep it on the market why? Because look who's selling it. So it's just it's an example towards this towards this subject where they've made a bad decision for public health and they've done it everywhere and, and all the drugs and all the, all the types of, yeah, there's some stuff that that's probably a good idea, but there's, there's tons of stuff where the public health and, and what is good for the public is clearly not a part of their decision-making process at all. So I don't see why it would be different here. But, but, but you don't think they're taking into consideration they, they've got to know, there's no way they don't know that millions of Americans are using e-cigarettes. Millions, probably sure. tens of millions. You don't think they realize that now, and they're saying, they do. Well, "Geez, you know, whatever we do, we got to be very careful because we could potentially piss off tens of millions of people." I mean, they got to be taken into consideration. Well, well, well. There's two things. Not even Number, well, the slightest, well, well, hold on a sec, Cisco, and then oh. I'll let, and then I'll let you chime in because I'll lose this thought. Uh, yes. Not only do they know that there's tens of millions using it, they know that there's tens of millions of people who are stopping smoking from it. They know these two things, but that is not a point towards them doing the right thing. If anything, it's a point at them doing the wrong thing because the people with the big pockets and the big money, they're the ones losing money from us. We know that pharma's bottom line has taken a huge hit from the success of vaping and you and we know who's putting the pressure on them. As far as pissing off the populace, these people aren't elected. These people are appointed, they're bureaucrats. They don't. The, the, the public opinion means nothing as, as to their jobs. What's your thoughts, Cisco? Well, first, the FDA, when they do something it's it's for the benefit of the people the health of the people as a whole supposedly anyway you know and how many what percentage of people don't smoke 86 87 percent of people don't smoke so they're against us to begin with you know and the regulations they're going to put forth are going to be applied to existing regulations and rules so there's no suing you can't sue a law that's been in existence for 10 years if they create new law or regulations to vaping, then you could sort of sue and fight what their regulations might be. But they don't give a shit about us. And if you hear anything that comes out of anybody from the FDA's mouth that sort of makes you think that they're going to do the right thing, that's probably only to get whoever they're talking to to shut the fuck up. Because they're probably tired of, you know, having to talk about it. They're going to do whatever they're going to do. Now, you know, I don't think that anybody should stop fighting and doing whatever needs to be done, you know, to stop regulations. But uh, they're going to do what they've been doing for years, the same thing. And if it's not, you know, this is all, you know, opinion. I have no idea what's really going to happen. And, you know, I'm prepared for the worst, but I hope for the best. But I have no idea. I'm only, I'm expecting the worst. Because there's no benefit to the FDA or the government for them to allow e Okay. Unless they put it into the hands of a specific but the, few but and make some money on it. But don't they also, but correct me if I'm wrong, but don't they also have to take into consideration, uh, for example, there are thousands of brick and mortars across the country, the thousands of jobs that would be lost. Don't they have to take that into consideration? Absolutely not. No, they don't have to. They, what they have to take into they account. They don't care about small business for the, for the greater good. No. Yeah. And they don't. They, do not they care. don't. They, and they don't. Um, they're not legally obliged to care about that. What they are legally obliged to care about, actually is whether or not this would create an enormous black market. Now, with this method, um, they kind of 
really don't have to to worry about making a huge black market because if you really do lock down nicotine getting into this country which is within their power by using customs by by declaring there would be a process and yes you see they, they will continue to allow nicotine coming into this country just the way that it is now ending up in the hands of pharma which goes into nicotine replacement therapy so so nicotine's coming in they're not stopping that what they're what they're doing is is making a very focused path towards getting your liquid or your 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 uh, nicotine approved to come in just like farm has been doing it and there may be avenues for companies to pursue to allow that which would drastically improve the pr increase the price and, and everything like that but as for the black market consideration they're kind of um they're kind of solving the riddle before they even you know tell the joke i think that uh it's a lot easier for the government to manage five or ten companies than it is to manage thousands. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. So the fact that whatever they do will shut them all down, they really don't care. It makes their job easier because they don't have the money to manage the industry as it is now. There's no way. They'd have to have officers and inspectors in every state. It would be a huge office they'd have to put together. They're never going to do that. So just shut them all down, put it in the hands of a few big corporations, and then manage that. It's easy. And as a, as a businessman, I agree with that because that's how I would want to do it. Yeah, you want to simplify. All right, so... If you're a teacher, you want a class of 60 kids or a class of six kids? Six kids is easy. So it six sounds like... a pain in the ass. So it sounds like um, Kevin and I have one opinion on the hardware and Cisco disagrees with that. Cisco and I have one opinion on the liquid and Kevin somewhat disagrees with that. Um, moving on to, like, the other things, which you know, I think are fairly inconsequential if the nicotine does really get locked down. But there are, they are you know, topics to, to, to discuss. Uh, the marketing and uh, things like marketing, uh, safety, uh, or uh, warning labels, you know, like you see on the cigarettes. Um, things like that, marketing-related things. Um, uh, what, I, what I think for that is I, I actually don't think they're going to do much with that in the deeming but they will do it in the future, kind of like the same way my um, opinion is for the hardware, that they're not going to really tackle that stuff on the first round. They're going to do it in later rounds. And, and, and my opinion on that is influenced by the fact that I think they're going to be able to, to, to put such a vice on the industry just through the nicotine that they don't really have to. I, I don't think they have to worry that much um, right off the bat about what the labels say. Um, what kind of colors are on, you know, marketing, the all, all that shit, what, whether or not it'll be on TV, maybe they'll do that. Maybe they'll do the, the TV stuff. But I think, um, you know, the regulations in place now actually for marketing are actually fairly extreme. You can't say to your customers, you know, you could say as a consumer, I think vaping is safer than smoking, but as a, as a company who's selling uh, vaping products or e-liquid, uh, they cannot today say that this is a safer alternative uh, to tobacco. So you, you already can't do that. I don't think they'll do much. I think it'll be minimal what they do with that in terms of marketing. And again, my, my opinion is, is predicated on what I think about what their main strategy will be do, which will be putting a stranglehold on what comes into the country just for nicotine. So what do you think about the marketing and all that other stuff, Kev? Uh, I think they will absolutely address marketing. Um, you have too many representatives, senators, congressmen, too many politicians across the country screaming how we're marketing to children. We're trying to attract children with marketing. They have to address the marketing just, just, just to appease them. 
just, just to get the, uh, them to calm down, that they will absolutely address, address marketing. And when it comes to marketing, I don't think they're going to allow any marketing at all. Well, I, I just, I just, any marketing, what I you agree with that completely. Any marketing? Yep. What, what, what do you mean by no that? Marketing. What we have to do is put, uh, is put e-cigs into a category with tobacco and those regulations yep. are already in place. It's easy for them. Well, tobacco, you know, wait to a do. minute, but there's, there's, there's marketing allowed by tobacco quite a bit. Actually, they can, they can add hardly any, there's some, you know, they can, they can, well, they can always modify it and add more. Yeah, I guess so. There's no but. way they're going to allow this to be marketed in, in its current form. Okay. And, a, you, you see that, that, uh, there's a big bait meet in Jersey, uh, uh, bait expo in New Jersey. They had a big website up that, uh, gold supplier and a platinum supplier. And the platinum supplier was uh, uh, some e-liquid Power. company. Their, their, their liquid was a, a kid's candy wrapper. But I don't even remember the name of it. Sour Patch. Oh, Sour Patch. Their liquid's called Sour Patch. They literally took the label off the candy and put it on their bottles and changed the P to a B. And then they're a platinum supplier for a big meat in Jersey. I mean, you know, it's idiots like that that are going to create major problems for us and if you step outside this little box we're in and look at that you would think that that's obscene wouldn't you yep yeah and yeah, uh, so that's 85 percent of the country and every every government official on the planet okay. is against the vaping because of shit like that yeah okay yeah. so going to be no market with with regard to this topic and i guess this is the one where i disagree with where you guys agree and i disagree um, I, I do think this is in their crosshairs, maybe for the long term. I just don't think you're going to see it in the initial deeming. Uh, I think you'll see it as something that will happen over time. I just don't think I don't think they're taking the first shot at that um, in uh, June or July. And spend, you don't think they spent all this time in the deeming to encompass everything? Maybe, but what they do want to avoid is lawsuits and um, this. That's why they'll this, use everything that's existing as yeah, much as they can. Maybe, maybe, but um, there are going concentrate to be on nicotine. Yeah, there are going to be many judges that are going to be very they're they're going to be sympathetic towards taking a First Amendment lawsuit because that's what this is. Um, that's what the marketing comes down right. to. It's a First Amendment issue, and you're going to find judges that are very sympathetic to that, uh, despite what's already been established for tobacco. Um, I, I I think that has an enormous chance or a much larger chance of success. Um, than locking down the nicotine. So I think it's something they may want to wait to do for a while once the industry has been crippled. But I'm trying to think like them. I'm trying to think like an evil bureaucrat. And this is what I came up with. Do the one thing that's going to have the least roadblocks and the biggest chance of success that's going to cripple the industry. And then once the industry is crippled, do all this other shit when no one's left to fight it. Right. So that's, I agree. That's definitely their plan. That's that's where I'm just coming remove, from. Just you know, remove a, a gear from this big machine. Just take a gear away, and that's the end of it. Exactly. The rest of it exactly. Function. So they don't have to really get into specifics and regulate specific devices and models and liquids. They'll just you know take a little gear out of the machine, and that's the end of the machine. And they'll do it in a way where there's nothing to fight because they use as much that's existing in place so it's you know you can't fight something that's been in place for 10 15 20 years or much harder to fight guys i think that we could probably talk about different other sub 
sections and little things about vaping that, that may or may not be regulated. We could probably talk about it for another hour, but I got Father Jack here, and I promised to get him on a long time ago, and he's waiting on the phone over here, and I'm going to hell if I don't get Father Jack on the line. So I got to get Father Jack yeah, on get now. Father Jack. Yeah. So uh, listen, right, that was a, a, a fantastic conversation, actually. I really uh, appreciate both of you contributing to it. Thank you, Cisco, and thank you, Kevin. Thanks, Russ. Appreciate it. Thank right. you, sir. Thanks, Kevin. Great stuff. Kevin, give me a call. Kevin, give me a call. Yeah, time. call him, Kevin. Call him now. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll call you right now. There they go, everybody. <laughs> right. Thanks, Russ. I'll talk to you later. Cheers. Okay. Okay. So here's uh, here's what I'm doing with fa with Father Jack coming on tonight. So a couple weeks ago, I didn't get to this last week because I ran out of time. And look, I'm just about out of time. But tonight, I'm sorry for putting you on the end like this, Father Jack. Because he took the time to write me this uh, this beautiful email. I popped, a, I popped a boner when I read this. Let me tell you. So he sends me this email. Let me read it to you. So he's, uh, he said, Russ, listen, a few things. I'm constantly giving workshops on federal confidentiality laws for addiction counselors. Not too exciting, except that we have a constant problem with the police coming into treatment centers with search warrants and arrest warrants, which the federal law says is not enough to allow them in. I've always had to teach my students how to, how to stop the police. I will now do, do the classes with a training on how to videotape the, the, the police using Bambuser, which is a live streaming app, so if somebody, if a, if a, anybody, you know, takes your phone, the, the, the videos are already been stored in the cloud using Bambuser. I owe this inspiration to you and wanted you to know that there will be addicts who stay in treatment and not in jail. Thanks to you. See the bottom of one of the attached letters. And he, and he, and he gives me this letter that is something that he hands to law enforcement when they're trying to raid his uh, treatment center, which explains to them the law which is, I believe, under U.S. Uh, Section Code 42, which there's a lot of beautiful things under that section. Um, so, like, I was reading this, and I'm like, if you had told me five years ago that because of what I do on my show with respect to teaching people how to film the police and, and why they should, that there was going to be a Catholic priest in California who counsels addicts who's going to effectively become a cop watcher, at least as it relates to his own, um, to his, to his own pursuits, uh, I would have said you're fucking crazy, but it's true. You can't make this shit up. Father Jack, welcome to the show. Hi, Russ. How are we doing? <laughs> We're doing all right. Um, thank you so much for that beautiful email. It really um, just made me say, wow, um, I can't believe how these subjects can kind of, I don't know, overlap each other. Tell a little bit about, uh, tell the people a little bit about yourself and what you do with addiction counseling and treatment and all that other stuff and, and how, it's let, how it's come to this with, with filming the police. Well, for the last uh, 15 years or so, I've been recruited to uh, teach addiction studies um, more than do addiction treatment. And one of the things I, I specialize in is laws and ethics. And one of the most critical things for any counselors, uh, but especially addiction counselors, is this whole notion of confidentiality of, of patient records. And it's particularly important for addiction counselors because, as you mentioned, we have this um, separate piece of law that was 
put in about 30 years ago that gives an extra layer of protection uh, to people in addiction treatment so that it's theoretically easier, safer for them to get help, remove some of the stigma, that sort of thing. And there's two parts of federal law that apply. One most people have heard of called uh, HIPAA, which, by the way, is the most misspelled word in America. <laughs> right. And that's in the Code of Federal Regulations, Section 45. But far more important than HIPAA, at least for my folks, is Code of Federal Regulations, Section 42, Part B, CFR 42, as, as they call it, um, which gives a much stronger layer of protection, including uh, the fact that a normal search warrant or a normal arrest warrant, even signed by a judge, is not enough to give uh, access to records. And that often applies to uh, you know attorneys trying to get information for a child custody case or uh, the county's Department of Social Children and Family Services trying to get information on uh, a drug addicted a drug addicted mother, uh, but mostly we need it for keeping the police out who want to, you know, arrest somebody that's written some bad checks or um, they need or want to talk to for different reasons, and they get a warrant, and the problem is convincing them that. A search warrant is not enough for us to let them in on the premises. So let's take a step back just for a second. What you may not, what you the the listener may not be uh, gleaning from this on first glance is what the police is doing here is they are they are going after these people when they are doing something that is they're trying to turn their lives around. Right? They're addicted to whatever. Uh, I'm sure you do counseling for all kinds of things. Most, you know, I think most of these people are probably, you know, um, alcohol, drugs, uh, you know, maybe gambling, but usually it's, it's, it's some sort of substance. So they know they're there, right? They find out whether they talk to a, an aunt, uh, they see him coming, whatever it is, they find out they're there. And this is the place they're going. They're trying to get their lives straight. They're trying to turn their lives around. And they're, it's, it's like they're, they're just, they're, they're going there and they're getting warrants and judges are signing off on them. Even though that, even though it's illegal, they should know that. I guess they don't or don't care. And they're going there. It's it's like they're just trying to pick the low hanging fruit. They got them in the building. They know that they're going to. Oftentimes, I believe Father Jack, there these people are living there uh, for an extended period of time, yeah. trying, trying to get clean. And they're going there. They know they're, they're they know they're in the in the in the middle of treatment. And they're going there, and they're going to get them out anyway. And they're going to take them from a place where they're getting help on their drug addiction, and they're going to throw them into a place where they can probably get drugs just as easily on the street, and that would be prison. So I think that's the first thing you got to realize there and realize how disgusting that is just on the, on that. And then we can continue and we can talk about the law. So continue with that if you please, Father Jack. Right, right. So the, the law requires that uh, the only way anybody can get access to that information other than through the voluntary consent of the patient is 
through a special CFR 42 court order, which is almost impossible to get. It's only designed to uh, um, let them go in and chase an axe murderer with the blood dripping off an axe. Right, exigent exigent circumstances, yeah. Well, very, but very clearly defined. Um, so in the normal arrest warrant or search warrant certainly doesn't apply, and the police have to figure out other tricks to uh, get into the treatment center. So what I have to do is train people on how to stall the police, how to convince them to go away, um, <clears throat> you know, because the ninety uh, seconds onus is on the counselor to protect his or her patient, um, and not on the police uh, to protect them. It's, it's up to the counselor or the treatment center, and you know the police don't care about that. They they got a warrant. They think that's uh, God's word itself. So. Right, and 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 this is truly uh, the police. I believe are ignorant Second. i think they're ignorant of the law it's it's not like these cops that just stop people from filming them uh, and they know full well it's protected by the first amendment i think with this they say well we got a search warrant to come into this treatment facility that's like what else would we need and now we got you and your employees and your employees handing them this piece of paper which tells them the federal law under under u.s section code 42 that says no that's not enough and so so what happens when you hand them this piece of paper. What do they do? Well, uh, I'd say a, a good percentage of the time they they go away and they just try and figure out something else, like wait till they leave the building and then try to arrest them. Um, uh, but a lot of times they don't. They just come in anyway. And, Ten. Done. and I teach my students, you know, do everything you can short of physically interfering with them. But just you have to be able to prove you did everything you could. And so that's why I was inspired by you to say, well, we got to take this to another level. And now I'm training them to how to use their cell phones and bamboozer and uh, quote the appropriate uh, case law and do everything they can to uh, force the police to take them seriously uh besides you know call your uh, lieutenant or watch commander right and so and, I, and i'm first reading amendment activity that you have been uh, so good at promoting uh is just now being taken a step farther to um, protect a certain group of people that need it so i'm very grateful to you for inspiring me to do the research and do the trainings I now do. No, I'm 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 really happy that this uh, that this thing I've been talking about, which I wouldn't ever even thought about this issue, is is helping addicts, you know, stay in treatment and out of prison. I love the uh, piece of paper. It's uh, it, it's pretty long, but I like you know I'll read the parts that are in bold. You know, uh, this is something that begins with uh, dear law enforcement professional. Um, you know, thank you for your good work and de dedication to the service. I'll skip down a little bit. A subpoena, search warrant, or arrest warrant even when it's signed by a judge, is not sufficient by itself to require or even permit a program to make a disclosure. In order for us to both comply with the law, we therefore must ask you to vacate the premises. Uh, uh, lower down after the law is uh, explained, since no authorizing court order has been obtained, 
under Section 42 CFR Part 2 Subpart E, we are compelled by federal law not to release any information, and we politely are asking you to vacate the premises. So I got two questions for you, Father Jack. Number one, um, you said most of the time it is work, and that means some of the time it isn't. I'd like to ask you about what happens in those cases, but also you mentioned that your staff is using technology um, on their cell phones and, and streaming apps like Bamboozer um, to document what they're doing. So my first question is, do they take issue with that, with the videotaping? Okay, I've only fairly recently started adding the videotaping to the training, so I haven't um, seen how that's worked yet. Uh, ironic, the last time I did a training, the police showed up to try and get records, and one of the, the person in charge had already been trained by me, and she managed to convince them to leave with just that letter, didn't but she had her iPhone ready to go. And so hopefully that will catch on. More and more people will do it. And the great place for all this is right there in New York, the Legal Action Center. I'm going to hope that they uh, adopt this as a recommendation for dealing with the police as well. What about the second so part? What happens, question, what, yeah, what uh, happens when, they, when they actually do ignore you and come in and, and you know, ignore the law, really? Well, then the counselor's obligation is to um, <clears throat> minimize the damage, you know, make sure everybody else leaves the area um, and not cough up any information they don't absolutely have to. They're usually going in because they want to either get some records or uh, try to arrest somebody. And sometimes... I'll, I tell him, you know, whisper to uh, another staff member, tell, tell the guy to go over the back wall. Um, and don't let him out for a few days to go to an AA meeting or anything because uh, the police may be uh, camped out and waiting for him. Yeah, so, and at, at that point, once they're on a public sidewalk, there's nothing you could do. Then they're, they are within their legal right. And, that's probably, and they probably do that. They probably just, you know, you know park, a, park a cruiser out right in front of your thing and wait for them to come out and then... Now you don't have any legal right to, to, to protect them. There's nothing you could do at that point. Right, because the law simply requires the, the treatment center not to divulge information. So, yeah, once they're on a public sidewalk, that, 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 that's done. So we don't confirm or deny anybody's presence in a treatment center. That's and and, and you don't, and, and just to be clear, you, you, you're not, you, you refuse to confirm or deny whether or not anyone's there or, or really give out any information because that's the law. You would be breaking the law if you did. Oh, absolutely. I uh, I had a counselor a couple of years ago um, do that, and I did everything I could to get him suspended uh, because he, he broke his code of ethics um, by letting the police walk in the door. And so that... The precedent for uh, sanctioning counselors uh, who fail to do their duty is has already been established too. So they just have to make it m more common. Sure, understood. Now there is so so you have a situation here where where it sounds like most of the time what what you're trying to do is working and that's good. Uh, some of the time it doesn't, and that means some of the times. You know, the police are getting in and maybe the guy didn't make it over the wall and 
he got arrested. So they have, right? What you know, you know whether or not they were, you know, they, they should have been educated because you gave them a piece of paper. They should have called their lieutenant to to, to research this or, or 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 whatever their CO. But whatever, you know, it, the system didn't work. Okay, they got in, they arrested the guy. And, um, you know, the judge who signed the warrant, he's clearly ignorant or doesn't care about the law also. So you see, at least on this local level here, where some injustice has been done, the system broke down, the law was not followed, and now this person's in jail. Now, these people probably have very little money. Now, if they were to appeal this uh, to a higher court, they would win. But that's probably not going to happen because they have no money. And the lawyer, you know, the public defender that they get, they're looking, you know, take the plea and so I can you know, get my thousand dollars and move on to the next case. So um, there's little opportunity for any real justice to be done in the, in the, uh, you know, on, on a, on a, on a client by client or, you know, your client by client basis. There's just no money there to do it, but maybe there's an opportunity father Jack for your organization who maybe can either afford a lawyer or get in contact with ACLU or something like that to, once you have these things documented, particularly with the video of you showing them, showing them the law, them checking it out and then abusing and, and ignoring the law, there may be a real um, opportunity there for a lawsuit that can be pursued because you do have the means to do it or the ACLU is uh, maybe inclined to do it on a pro bono basis or whatever the case may be to sue the police for breaking the law, not just on a, a client by client basis, but but on basically on the on the on the grounds of they're forcing you to break the law. There's got to be a case in there. This sounds like something that a lawyer's got to be interested in. Absolutely, and I think that's a great idea. Um, one of the apps I use besides Bamboozer is the ACLU app, which um, uploads directly to them. And I'm I'm just waiting for uh, a good video. Uh, to help prove uh, the case. The main focus, though, for the treatment center has to be uh, the, the patient. And so the most important thing is that they go to court for this guy and try and get him court-ordered back into the treatment center, maybe as a condition of probation. Sure, sure. Uh, but the bigger picture that you're pointing to is also important and I think once we get some videotape showing uh, the police violating this law well I think that'll help um, the bigger picture so you I will definitely uh, pursue that as well yeah sure it doesn't you know once you start talking to a lawyer it doesn't hurt to bring these things up they'll know better than me whether or not it's going to work anyway I applaud what you're doing trying to get people help and keeping them out of prison um and I'm uh I'm I'm thrilled that this is you know something that you you got somehow as an idea for me that's uh that's wonderful it makes me it makes me feel real good um let's talk a little bit about um the initiative uh that you started with the California Association for Drug and alcohol educators, the CAADE, um, you've recently issued a statement, and this is, um, you know, this is different. There's all kinds of uh, all kinds of groups that are for um, vaping rights and uh, for civil liberties that have come out in favor of vaping. Now, here is an organization that 
is specifically about addiction counseling and, and addiction education who has come out against specific le legislation. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Uh, like is happening in so many states right now, uh, California may be one of the worst uh, with anti-vaping legislation. Uh, and there's a couple of bills in particular uh, <clears throat> that are worrisome. One is uh, Senate Bill 140, which is going to seek to label vaping products as tobacco products, and that means taxes, that means horrible restrictions. So I'm on the board of an organization that accredits colleges and university addiction studies programs and that certifies counselors. And so we got about 14,000 people in the organization, and our board, uh, which is very pro uh, harm reduction in in the whole entire addiction world uh, agreed to support harm reduction in the smoking cessation world. And so I, I wanted people to know about this because um, the press and other people try and make it think like it's um, they try to paint the picture. It's, it's big tobacco versus public health advocates. And you know, that makes my blood boil because those of us on the front line trying to help smokers um, are part of a public health movement, and I certainly have public health credentials, and my organization um, has public health credentials. So uh, we part of that message has to be it's, it's not just... Uh, Dr. Farsalinos and, and a few other brave souls uh, and the vaping community versus or and or big tobacco versus uh, the public health advocates. No, we got real public health advocates, real uh, actual experts on addiction, not bureaucrats who have uh, degrees in public health who uh, think that they're protecting society. No, we're, counselors help people quit smoking, not bureaucrats. And right. and so the counselors need to speak up. Well, this is the first. We this is the first I know of any kind of group like that that's in the in the in the you know in the, the business of educating people on alcohol and drugs and, and addiction coming out strongly in favor of electronic cigarettes and against. Um, oppressive legislation against them. So I, I think I think you've done a first there. Uh, I've put the link there for people. I'll put it in the replay notes also. I think it's uh, I think it's a great thing. I think we I'd love to see more more things like this from people doing the kind of work that you do. It's great. You're right. We're not alone. Um, and of course people like you spread the news, uh, telling the truth about vaping and how it saves lives and harm reduction working and uh, having wonderful discussions like you had at the beginning of your show. I didn't mind waiting a bit. Yeah, sorry about that. I didn't know. That, so. yeah, went a little no, 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 no. Good, good, good discussion. And uh, we have to fight the bastards, you know. It's because lives are being saved through vaping. You know, it's not just numbers. It's real people. Uh, people that I deal with, uh, myself, and of course, people you know and deal with. 
So we, we have to speak up. We have to uh, play the game. And I try to annoy. I sit on all these boards and meetings where I constantly annoy people when they, they try and bring up vaping as some kind of threat to public health. And I, oh, I happily talk about science and right. the facts. So it's just part of the battle. Well, thank you for fighting it and uh, definitely salute your efforts. And l listen, before I let you go, Father Jack, I want to tell you a little, I want to tell you about a friend of mine. I want, I want, you, I want to know what you think about this. So this is this has got nothing to do with 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 vaping stuff. So, it, big guy, you know, good friend of mine and all, you know, um, he's huge. He's like six six. So he can he can like you know I'm I'm five eleven, but he can he can basically palm my my head like a basketball and and sometimes does because here's the thing with this guy he gets uh, when he gets drunk, you know when he drinks too much. He gets uh, he gets real touchy feely. He's an Italian guy, right? He's straight and everything, and it's not that. It's just that he loves hugging and putting you in a headlock and you know, muscling your all this stuff. He just he just gets real close and and real touchy feely, and I don't like it. You know, I just don't like uh, I, don't, I don't like it. Um, I just I just want to sit there and I want to read and I want to I want to have a beer and I don't need some giant you know lumbering over me and he's got his He's, he's all over me. I don't like it. And I've told him this. And he knows. And he doesn't give a shit. Right? Now, right. This, this guy, is a, he's a devout Catholic. Very religious. Um, maybe not so much in his uh, activity, but certainly in, in his beliefs. And he's tried with me. You know, he knows I'm an atheist. He knows that I'm so against uh, the, all religions. And, and he knows I'm no fan of the, of, of the Catholic Church, the least among them. So... You know he's tried in the past. He, you know, and I listen. Sure, I'll, I'll listen. It doesn't. It doesn't offend me at all. Um, but you know, my responses do offend him. Now, here's what I have found. I have found that when he gets to the state where he starts, you know, roughhousing and putting the arm on him and just getting up all over me, I have found a way that makes him get off me instantly, and 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 many times move away from me. And I thought you might find it interesting. And um, I don't know. He has no reply for this, really. In fact, he completely disengages once I say one sentence. And I'd like to know what you think about it. So he'll he'll come up, just be like, oh, Rusty, how you doing? And he'll you know, put his arm around me. And be like, Frank, I got a question for you. Why does Jesus give babies bone cancer? The babies didn't do anything wrong, and they're going to live the rest of their life in this horrible pain and anguish. And he's just gone. He's gone. So, I don't know. What do you? Am I doing the wrong thing by saying that? And number two, why does Jesus give babies the bone cancer? <laughs> okay. Well, we've all dealt with uh, sloppy drunks. Um, I would. I, I guess you have to set your boundaries there, Russ, and if that's what works, to, to get him to leave you alone, that's what works. Uh, I would hope you could find a, a gentler um, way to do it, but if that's what... Me? You, 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 want, me, you want me uh, to be gentle? What about Jesus? He's the one giving the babies the bone cancer. Well, I I don't recall him ever doing that. Um, <laughs> uh, uh I don't think he uh, 
puts uh, carcinogens in the water or anything. Um, God allows evil, uh, but say he causes it, then he wouldn't be God. So the real question um, is uh, why does God allow this sort of thing to happen? And uh, Rabbi Harold Kushner wrote a great book on that, When Bad Things Happen to Good People. You should read that. It's pretty short and simple. Um, and he basically makes the point that God is, is saddened and devastated when uh, children get bone cancer, um, just like we are. And Rabbi Kushner uh, wrote that book because his own son died of cancer. So he understands that question perfectly. So... It's uh, it's a fair. Res- why does God allow mosquitoes? Um, I'm going to ask that question when I have coffee with them. Um, how? Because I can't understand mosquitoes either, or Texas, or all kinds of things. So. <laughs> well, you know what? That's a pretty fair response, which would probably, if I had more time, lead to a more lengthy discussion. Um, but I'm, I'll be sure uh, not to tell my buddy about it because, um, as 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 far as it's uh, concerned right now, it's you know it's basically it's mosquito repellent for me. I mean, it's working great, so I'm going to keep using it. Anyway, thank thank you, Father Jack. Um, thank you for coming. Well, can on. I just point out one more thing, Russ? Sure, why not? Uh, when you come out to ECC this year, which I hope uh, you're finally going to do. Uh, there is civilization uh, west of New York. I know. I'm not fond of it at all. So come come to ECC. Uh, it would be a good experience for you. And I'll meet you there, and you'll see that I'm also six foot six. No, oh, so. no. Hint, hint. All right. All right. Well, I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll definitely consider it. And and Father Jack, thank you so much for uh, for what you do. And uh, it was a pleasure having you on as always. Thank you very much, Russ. You're right. doing good work. <laughs> there he goes, All everybody. Right. Father Jack Kearney. Am, am I saying that right? Is it Kearney or Kearney? Kearney. Kearney. Father Jack Kearney. There he goes, everybody. Thanks so much again. Cheers. You bet. Okay. Wow. A lot of content tonight. I have other things. And I'm not going to do them. You know, maybe it's better. Because, uh, and maybe for those of you... Uh, what I was going to try to talk about tonight, I was going to bring this up with Kevin because he owns a vape shop. I want to talk about all these new little mods. You know, they, they got to be hitting the market now or soon. And this IPB, IPV4 looks pretty sexy. I wanted to talk about them. We'll save that for, for next week. Shit. All right, this I got to do.